Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and thank you so much for this time where we could um, gather together to reflect on the meaning of Christmas. And we pray, God, that as we come, that our mind is that of adoration, humility, and gratitude, that as we receive this word, that you will speak to us and change the way we think about Christmas as well. So we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, the Christmas, uh, Christmas is basically a year-end holiday season for most people. Happy holidays is the usual greetings. And it's common greetings around this time. Or, you know, hey, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And so that's what, how many of us kind of, you know, greet one another. And, you know, overall mood around this time generally is festive. And why wouldn't it be, right? I mean, you see Christmas lights, you see Christmas tree and all the decorations. I mean, even we have, right, even around this room, we have all the decorations, Christmas tree, uh, you know, ornaments and the lights and, and everything. So, of course, we tend to be in that festive mood. And there is a lot of like good year, um, good year and uh, good year and uh, specials that are going on. You know, my email inbox is flooded with all these like specials from like Walmart's and you know Costco's and Best Buy's and all these things. So there's all these like good, uh, you know, sales that are going on for college students. Finally, it's finally over, right? And so you are back home. So now you can relax for next couple weeks. You can catch up with your friends and family. And for working adults, you know, you have a good time at your like, company or office Christmas parties and maybe even get year-end bonus. So overall, we tend to be like, very kind of in a very good mood, very positive. It's really hard not to have that warm, you know, fuzzy feeling. You know, people talk about holiday spirit, right, which is about giving and being generous to people. Um, you know, Christmas is about really being with people that you care about, like family and friends, they say. And I'm not saying all this is bad. It is not. I mean, even for us, we had our Christmas party, not yesterday, uh, not, uh, yesterday but a week before, last Saturday. Uh, we had a you know, Christmas party, too. And um, I have to give a you know, shout-out to our events planning team. I mean, they did a wonderful job, right? And all the nice decorations and... You know, uh, we had a really fun time and even just gift exchange because we decided not to do white elephant this year. I was wondering, how are we going to do this? How are we going to, like, do gift exchange? And, but they came up with a, well, thanks to Google, you know, came up with a brilliant way to, to do gift exchange. And if you weren't there, just be there next year, right? And then you'll find out how we do things. But, you know, Christmas is more than that. Unless we pause and step back from all the hustle and bustle of this season, we can easily be swept up in the tidal wave of Christmas spirit of this world and all that's going on around us and kind of swim in it. You know, for us, between uh, my wife and I, uh, a big topic of conversation, especially in the early on in this month, 
was this instant pot, right? So uh, there was a special that was going on, and this like seven in one. So it could be a rice cooker. You can like make a bone broth soup within like 30 minutes instead of like you know boiling it for like seven eight hours. And so we're just going back and forth. You know, she's like, no, we need it. We we let's get it. And I'm like, why? And then so we're going back and forth. This is great. There's 50 percent off. You know, the Black Friday deals. And so all these things there. You know, so that's all we talked about, right? That was a major topic of our conversation during this season. Our conversation about the meaning of Christmas, hmm, well, we talked about it this week because I'm, I'm, I was going to preach on it, but we didn't really just talk about any of that. Most, it was mostly about her school, like the specials that are going on, what kind of Christmas gifts we were going to get. Those were pretty much what dominated our conversation. As people of God, our proper approach is to reflect on the meaning of Christmas. God becoming flesh. God with us. Christ Jesus being given to us for our sake. And you know, it's more than feeling giddy about the birth of our Savior because it involves a tragedy. Paul Tripp, he calls it Christmas is really about glory colliding with tragedy. You may ask, what? What are you talking about? What tragedy? We're talking about Christmas. Isn't it all about celebration? Jesus coming into this world? Well, there's more to it. There's more to it. So let's reflect and dig deeper on Christmas so the, uh, I have two points, obviously, as the topic suggests, the beauty and the tragedy of Christmas. So the first thing is the tragedy, the tragedy of Christmas. You know, as we examine the first Christmas, we see that it wasn't all peaceful and serene. You may wonder, that's a pastor who didn't pick a really strange passage for Christmas ser- uh, service. I mean, why, why are we talking about the birth of Christ, but talking about what happened afterwards with like Herod and like him killing all the babies? What, what's going on? There's a tragedy on the first Christmas. It was all good until the wise men from the east came, worshipped Jesus, and offered him gifts. Oh, that's this amazing thing. It's this glorious thing. And that is a highlight. And guess what? Most of us, kind of, that's what we simply focus and just we move on. This is where we usually live off of the nativity story. How many Christmas reactments or the pictures do we see at church with Joseph, Mary, baby Jesus in a manger, the wise men, the angels, right? I mean, and all the shepherds, there's like a light that's, you know, on, on, on the infant. And that's the picture that we see all the time about the nativity story and the Christmas story. But you see, and that's where we kind of usually live off. And okay, now we're just going to move on to the next part of the life of Jesus. But that is not the end of the story of Christmas. Here, when the wise men departed not returning to Herod because of the warning in a dream, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and then told him to rise quickly, 
get married and the baby and flee to Egypt. Right? Go away because Herod is coming after you, coming after your baby. What a turn of events. Joseph and Mary experienced the high of highs. It was just an incredible thing. Can you imagine if you are an average Joe person? You are not a, of royalty. You are just a common, just regular folk. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you are uh, you know, betrothed and you are engaged basically with your wife. And then she's, before you guys, you know, consummate your marriage, she's pregnant. And you're like, what's going on? But then the angel appears to you. Hey, just don't divorce her quietly. Stick with her. This baby that she has conceived is going to be a special Messiah, the Savior of the world. I mean, if you are Joseph, right, how would you take all that? And then when the time was right, the baby comes, and then out of nowhere, the wise man comes, the angel comes, the shepherds come, and it's this incredible thing. It's just like such an amazing thing that they have experienced. And all of a sudden, no sooner do they really marvel, marvel at all this, an angel appears to Joseph the second time, telling him to take his family and flee to Egypt. You talk about a refugee family. We, you know, there's all this, like, it's one of the bigger issues right now in the southern border. But they were a refugee family as well. And so they leave in the, in the, co- in the cover of the, the night. When Herod realized that the wise men left without letting him know, he felt he was so upset. He was furious and committed infanticide. What a tragedy. Because of the birth of the Savior, infants that had nothing to do with anything were slaughtered. You know, about uh, seven years ago, around this time in December, there was a gunman that entered Sandy Hook Elementary School in Connecticut and he killed 26 people, 26 people in an elementary school, 20 of them being children between the age of six and seven. It really rocked the nation. Why little children? High school shit is horrendous, horrible, it's absolutely evil. But now we're talking about elementary school kids. It was such a sad chapter in America. And for me personally, it really disturbed me so much because, you know, as you guys, many of you guys know, my wife is an elementary school teacher. And so even soon after that, you know, that that tragedy happened, you know, there were people calling for the uh, the teachers to arm themselves. Say, hey, teachers should bring their guns to schools just to protect the kids. And I was like, you know, So personally, it really affected me. It was a tragedy that literally these children, six, seven years old, were gone down for no reason. But you know what? That's what Herod did. Probably even worse. I'm sorry, not worse, but just as bad. Heinous, heinous. Herod was a ruthless king who killed even three of his own children just to secure his throne. He was always suspicious. Somebody's going to take my throne. So he killed his favorite wife, and he killed his three own children, his own sons. 
because they're suspicious. Because they, he was so suspicious. And here, true to his character, in an effort to murder this one child, Herod killed innocent children. Tragedy. Herod was an agent of Satan, just as the serpent was in the Garden of Eden. He was trying to destroy Christ. And this story is a lesser-known story of Christmas. We all celebrate, as we should, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. But on the other side, there was infanticide. Satan was working furiously to destroy the Son of God at his birth and ended up with a heinous casualty. This is a tragedy, but the greater tragedy is the fact that people Jesus came for have rejected him. That is a greater, that is, a, that is just as, that's also a tragedy. John 1 9 says this the true light, which gives light, light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. From the get go, the birth of Christ, even from his birth, faced fierce opposition. Herod could not stand that there should be another king of the Jews. So there was death. There was rejection. People from the beginning rejected Christ, and he was despised. You ever been rejected before? You ever been rejected by a company that you applied for? You really wanted to get into this, or you really wanted to get this job. This is perfect job for me. So you apply, and they flat out reject you. And you apply to another co company. You wait and you hope. Still, you get rejected. Sorry. You get rejected by school that you really wanted to get into. Man, this is a really good school, but if I can just get into this school, it would be really great. I would be so happy. I would be so elated. But you get the rejection letter. It's not you, it's me, rejection from the, the woman of your dream. Have you, ever been, have you ever gone through that? We've been there. How does it make you feel when you get rejected? How do we respond? We say, man, it's your loss, man, and then we just walk away. But eventually, it hurts, it stings. When you get rejected in any shape and form, it affects you. But eventually, we'll get over it. But rejecting Christ has far greater consequences because our eternal, eternal destiny is at stake. Scripture says that because of our sinful nature, we love to be in spiritual darkness rather than being in the light, knowing the truth. So when the light of the world came, when the Prince of Peace came, people rejected him. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And people said, no, I don't want that. We don't want that. Can't stand him. Let's kill him. Let's get rid of him. Just cannot stand him. We cannot stand the truth. 
how tragic being so steeped in our sin we have rejected Christ. The enemy has come to destroy life and we listen to him. But Christ has come to give us life and yet loving darkness we have and people have rejected Christ. What a tragedy. You know, when you consider the bigger picture of Christmas, we have to realize that there is a tragedy involved. And that is the reason why Christ has come in the first place, because of our miserable, desperate spiritual condition. When you don't see the tragedy, that Christmas becomes no more than a holiday season that offers us year-end break and festivities, family gatherings, and shopping. And that's how this world celebrates Christmas. How about us? How do we celebrate? How do, what is our approach? What is our mindset? How do we view Christmas amongst us? Do you understand that there was a tragedy in Christmas? Now, I don't want to be so like gloomy and so negative. So let's turn to the, the second point. And the beauty of Christmas. The beauty of Christmas. In spite of tragedy, there is beauty and glory. There is hope of Christmas. A transcendent God, a God who knows no limit. He's an infinite God. He became flesh. He incarnated. He laid down his infinite majesty, honor, and power. He laid it all down voluntarily and became one of us, and he walked among us. It was a glorious moment, moment for us when only cruelty, greed, pride, and injustice rule the day, when we are so steeped in our sin, and we were so dominated by sin, sinful nature, and we, when we really trampled God's law and His standard, when we had no hope of deliverance whatsoever, God became man so we, so we may be saved from our sin and misery. Emmanuel God, God with us, did not forsake us, even though we absolutely deserved every, uh, every, uh, the punishment that we should, we should receive. He didn't forsake us, but instead, He gave us the unimaginable treasure. What glory! It is so glorious that the angels announced it. I mean, these days, the gender, uh, you know, gender like reveal party is like kind of, it's all the rage, right? Like people, they're being so creative and then they're trying to do things from out of space. So they, they just go all out even in like to reveal the, the baby, the gender of the baby. And it's just crazy when I see some of those, I'm like, man, that is so cute. And this is like, or some of them are so creative. It's so entertaining and all these things. Well, all of that has nothing on the birth announcement of Christ because angels came and announced it. There wasn't no like, or, you know, just like crazy thing going on. But not only, he he was not only the, the hope of humanity, but also he was the hope of the universe because the whole creation was suffering under the curse of sin because of humanity, because of what we have 
because of our sin, it didn't simply affect us, but the whole universe, the whole world was suffering under the curse of sin. But the glory of God's grace, the glory of God's promise is revealed in the midst of all the tragedy, suffering, and evil in this world. The, this Christmas story is part of the, uh, the gospel narrative. The glory and tragedy intersect and it collides. All of Christ's life was just that. Tragedies strike, suffering, and evil were rampant in the lives of the people that he ministered to every day. Day in and day out, people brought the sick, the demon-possessed, and people were yelling at the top of their lungs, Son of David, please have mercy on me. Please have mercy. I am lame. I am blind. My daughter is dying. My son is demon-possessed. Our brother uh, Lazarus is dead. Please, Lord, do something about this. We need you. We are suffering. Pain and suffering of men were overwhelming, and it still is so overwhelming in our lives. And yet, there was Jesus, the very presence of God's glory. He brought healing. He restored sanity to the dehumanized. He made people whole. He spoke the truth with grace. He brought life. And he pointed the way to the Father, which is himself. No one can come to the Father but through me. In the midst of tragedy, glory of God was evident while he was here. And this narrative is played out again on the cross. The one man who was truly innocent, the perfect sinless man, is crucified, suffers mightily, and dies a criminal's death. It was so wrong that the Son of God was tortured and died as a condemned man, though he was truly innocent. He really, literally didn't do anything wrong, and yet he died a criminal's death. As he's dying, in his final breath, he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What a tragedy. Injustice. You talk about injustice. How awful. How could God the Father allow his one and only son to die? Die like that. But once again, that's where the glory and tragedy come together. It connects. Because that's not the end of the story. On the third day, God the Father raises his son from the dead, annihilating the power of death. What a glorious morning. And because of his obedience unto death, Jesus Christ was exalted above all else that every knee should, buy, knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The worst that could ever happen was also the best thing that ever happened. The worst thing that could that ever happen to the Son of God was also the best thing 
that could ha- ever happen to us. And that is the beauty of the gospel. Unspeakable evil was committed by Herod. But even in the midst of injustice and tragedy in this world, glory came to us 2,000 years ago. Glory of God came in spite of the tragedy of humanity. That this is the Christmas story. May we be reminded of this truth during this Advent season. Let's pray. Let's go before the Lord.